Volume Two, Chapter One of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Celine Major. Chapter One. Difficulties attending a young lady's appearance at a ball, a wet Sunday, difference of taste. Though it was two minutes and a half past the time named for dinner when Agnes made her appearance, she found her aunt's temper very slightly acerbated by the delay for the delightful recollections of her morning expedition still endured and she was more inclined to boast than to scold well agnes i hope at last i have some news that will please you she said what think you of my having subscribed for us both for six weeks subscribed for what aunt to the library yes i have subscribed there too for a month and we must go every day rain or shine to make it answer but i have done a good deal more than that for you my dear i have subscribed to the balls entirely for your sake agnes and whatever becomes of you in future life i trust you will never forget all i have done for you now but i am afraid aunt it will cost you a great deal of money to take me with you to the balls and as i have never been yet i cannot know anything about it you know and i do assure you that i shall not at all mind being left at home and a pretty story that would make wouldn't it i tell you child i have paid the money already and here are the cutlets so sit down and be thankful for all my kindness to you is my beer come jerningham agnes sat down and began eating her cutlet but it was thoughtfully for there were cares that rested heavily upon her heart and though they were certainly of a minor species she must be forgiven if at sixteen and a half they were sufficient to perplex her sorely she had neither shoes nor gloves fit to appear at a ball she dared not ask for them she dared not go without them and she dared not refuse to go at all this certainly is the most beautiful place i ever saw in my life said the widow while renewing her attack upon the dish of cutlets such shops such a milliner and as for the library it's perfectly like going into public what an advantage it is every morning of one's life to be able to go to such a place as that elizabeth peters seemed to know everybody and i heard them talking of people of the highest fashion as some of those we are sure to meet at the ball what an immense advantage it is for you agnes to be introduced in such a manner at such a place as this it is indeed a most beautiful place aunt and the peterses are most kind and charming people then for once in your life child you are pleased that's a comfort and i have got something to show you agnes such a scarf real french blonde it's monstrous expensive i'm afraid but everybody says that the respectability of a girl depends entirely upon the style of her chaperone i'm sure i would no more let my poor dear sister's child go out without me if i was shabbily dressed than i would fly i wonder mrs duval does not send home my things but perhaps she waits for me to send my turban she's going to put my feathers in for me agnes quite a favour i assure you but she was so respectful in her manner to elizabeth peters i am sure if i had any notion what sort of people they were i should have made barnaby leave his business to mr dobbs for a little while that he might have brought me to see them long ago it is indeed a pleasure to meet with such friends said agnes and perhaps perhaps what child if either of the three girls stay away from the ball perhaps aunt you would be so kind as to let me stay away too and we should pass the evening so delightfully together god give me patience agnes for i'm sure you are enough to drive one wild here have i been subscribing to the balls and actually paying down ready money beforehand for your tickets 
and now ungrateful creature that you are you tell me you won't go i only wish the peterses could hear you and then they'd know what you are my only objection to going to the ball aunt said agnes with desperate courage is the fear that you should be obliged to get gloves and shoes for me gloves and shoes why that's just the advantage of mourning you'll have my black silk stockings you know all except a pair or two of the best and with black stockings i don't suppose you would choose to put on white shoes that would be rather too much in the magpie style i suppose wouldn't it and for gloves i don't see how in such very deep mourning you would wear anything but black gloves too and there are two pair of mine that you may have i could lend you an old pair of my black satin shoes too only your feet and your hands are so frightfully out of proportion to your height i was always reckoned to be most perfectly in proportion every part of my figure but your hands and feet are absolutely ridiculous from their smallness you take after your father in that and a great misfortune it is for it will prevent you ever profiting by my shoes or my gloves either unless you are clever enough to take them in and i don't believe you are not fingers and all may i wear long sleeves then aunt said agnes with considerable animation from having suddenly conceived a project by means of which she thought she might render herself and her sables presentable because you have got no long gloves i suppose why yes child i see no objection in such very deep mourning as yours it is a strange whim you have taken agnes but it is certainly very convenient and will you give me leave aunt to use all the black you have been so kind as to give me use it use all of it yes i don't want to have any of it again the great desire of my life is to be liberal and generous to you in all ways agnes but i don't know what you mean about using it all you can't mean all the things at once no aunt replied agnes laughing i don't mean that but if i may use the crape that covers nearly the whole of your best gown i think i could make my own frock look very well for i would make it the same as one i saw last year at empton may i yes if you will child but to say the truth i have no great faith in your mantua-making talents however i am glad to see that you've got such a notion in your head and if it turns out well i may set you to work for me perhaps one of these days i have a great deal of taste in that way but with my fortune it would be ridiculous if i did much beside ornamental work there take away jerningham and bring the two cheesecakes agnes do you wish for one no thank you aunt what an odd girl you are you never seem to care about what you eat i must say that i am a little more dainty and know what is nice and like it too but poor dear barnaby spoilt me in that way and if ever you should be lucky enough to be the idol of a husband as i was you will learn to like nice eating too agnes for it is a thing that grows upon one i believe but i dare say at the out-of-the-way place your aunt betsy put you to there was no great chance of your being overindulged that way that will do jerningham give me that drop of beer and now eat up your own dinner as fast as you can and ask little kitty to show you the way to mrs duval's the milliner and take with you very carefully mind the hat-box that you will find ready tied up on my bed and bring back with you my new scarf and gloves i long to show you my scarf agnes you shall not be ashamed of your chaperone that's a point i'm resolved upon it was saturday night and the important ball was to be on the following tuesday so agnes as soon as the dinner was ended hastened to set about her work 
a general idea of which she had very clearly in her little head but felt some misgivings about her skill in the detail hardly however had she brought forth her needle and her shears when her aunt exclaimed good gracious child you are not going to set to work now why it is the pleasantest part of the day and i mean to take you out to walk with me under the windows where we saw all the smart people last night just look out and you will see they are beginning to come already put on your things my dear and put your bonnet a little back and try to look as smart as you can you are certainly very pretty but you are a terrible dowdy in your way of putting on your things you have nothing jaunty and taking about you as i used to have at your age agnes and i'm sure i don't know what to do to improve you i suspect that your aunt will get more eyes upon her now than you will with all your youth and that's a shame but i always was famous for putting on my things well agnes retired to her little room but her quiet bonnet was put on much as usual when she came out from it and mrs barnaby might have been discouraged at seeing the very undashing appearance of her companion had she not been conscious that the manner in which she had repaired her own charms and the general style of her dress and person were such as might well atone for it nor was she disappointed as to the degree of attention she expected to draw not a party passed them without giving her a decided stare and many indulged their curiosity by a very pertinacious look over the shoulder after them this was very delightful but it was not all ere they had taken half a dozen turns the widely roaming eyes of mrs barnaby descried two additional gentlemen decidedly the most distinguished-looking personages she had seen approaching from the further end of the walk that tall one is the man we watched last night agnes i should know him amongst a thousand agnes looked up and felt equally convinced of the fact the two gentlemen approached and mrs barnaby herself could not have wished for a look of more marked examination than the tall individual bestowed upon her as he went by but satisfactory as this was and greatly as it occupied her attention she was aware also that his companion looked with equal attention at agnes for goodness sake agnes throw back that abominable veil it is getting quite dark already and i'm sure you cannot see i can see very well thank you aunt replied agnes fool muttered mrs barnaby but she would not spoil her features by a frown and continued to enjoy for three turns more the repeated gaze of the tall gentleman the following day being sunday was one of great importance to strangers about to be initiated into the society of the place and mrs barnaby had fondly flattered herself that mrs peters or at least the young ladies would upon such an occasion have extended their patronage both to help them to a seat and to tell them who was who but in this she was disappointed in fact a compact had been entered into between mrs peters and her son and daughters by which it was agreed that on condition of her permitting them to join her party at the balls she was always to be allowed to go to church in peace this was so reasonable that even the petted mary submitted to it without a murmur and the consequence was that mrs barnaby found herself left to her own devices as to the manner in which she should make the most of the sabbath day fortunately for the tranquillity of mrs peters the landlady of the lodgings on being questioned gave it as her opinion that the chapel at the hot wells which was within a very pleasant walk would be more likely to offer accommodation to strangers than the parish church that being always crowded by the resident families so to the chapel at the hot wells mrs barnaby resolved to go and the tea-urn was ordered half an hour earlier than usual that time enough might be allowed to get ready now do make the best of yourself agnes to-day will you i am sure those men are not bristol people 
so different they looked didn't they from all the rest of course you will put on your best crape bonnet and one of my nicest broad-hemmed white crape collars there is one i have quite clean i have no doubt in the world we shall see them having finished her breakfast and reiterated these orders mrs barnaby turned her attention to her own toilette and a most elaborate one it was taking so long a time as to leave scarcely sufficient for the walk but proving at length so perfectly satisfactory as to make her indifferent to that or almost any other contretemps on this occasion she came forth in a new dress of light grey gaudenaple with a gay bonnet of paille de riz decorated with poppy blossoms both within and without a ladylike profusion of her own embroidery on cuffs collar and pocket-handkerchief her well-oiled ringlets half hiding her large coarse handsome face her eyes set off by a suffusion of carmine and her whole person redolent of musk this was the figure beside which agnes was doomed to make her first appearance at the crowded chapel of the hot wells had she thought about herself the contrast its expansive splendour offered to her own slight figure her delicate fair face seen but by stealth through her thick veil and the sad decorum of her sable robe might have struck her as being favourable instead of that however it was another contrast that occurred to her for as she looked at mrs barnaby she suddenly recollected the general look and air of her aunt compton just at the moment when the widow attacked her so violently on the meanness of her apparel during their terrible encounter at the village school and she could not quite restrain a sigh as she thought how greatly she should have preferred entering a crowded and fashionable chapel with her but no sighing could effect the change and they set forth together as strangely a matched pair in appearance as can well be imagined they entered the crowded building just as the psalms concluded and were stared at and scrutinized with quite as much attention as was consistent with the solemnity of the place moreover seats were after some time offered to them and there was no reason in the world to believe that they were in any way overlooked nevertheless mrs barnaby was disappointed neither the tall gentleman nor his companion were there nor did major allen or any one like him appear to reward her labour and her skill long and wearisome did the steep uphill walk back to her lodgings appear after this unpropitious act of devotion and sadly passed the remainder of the day for it rained hard no strollers not even an idle antimanche came to awaken the musical echo she loved to listen to from the pavement under the windows in short it was a day of existence lost save that she found out one or two new defects in agnes and ended at last by very nearly convincing herself that it was in some way or other her fault that it rained but happily nothing lasts for ever in this world and agnes found herself quietly in bed at last the next morning rose bright in sunshine and the widow rose too and blessed the useful light which she determined should see her exactly at the fashionable hour take her away to the library and the pastry-cooks or wherever else she was most likely to be seen but fortunately for the rifacimento upon which agnes desired to employ herself this fashionable hour was not early and her sable draperies had made great progress before her aunt gave notice that she must get ready to go out with her to have a voice upon any question of this kind had fortunately never yet occurred to agnes as a thing possible and once more like a belladonna beside a holy hawk she appeared with all the effect of the strongest contrast in the gayest part of clifton this day seemed sent by fate to make up for the misfortunes of the last on entering the library mrs barnaby immediately placed herself before the autographic volume in which she took such particular interest and hardly had she done so when the tall and the short gentleman entered the shop 
again it was decidedly evident that the tall one fixed his eyes on the widow and the shorter one on her companion the widow's heart beat never had she forgotten the evident admiration her own face and manner produced on her fellow-traveller from silverton or the chilling effect that followed the display of the calm features of her delicate niece she knew that agnes was younger and perhaps even handsomer than herself but this only tended to confirm her conviction that an animated expression of countenance and great vivacity of manner would do more towards turning a young man's head than all the mere beauty in the world what would she have given at that moment for some one with whom she might have conversed with laughing gaiety to whom she might have displayed her large white teeth and on whom she might have turned the flashings of her lustrous eyes it was in vain to look at agnes at such a moment as this for she well knew that nothing she could utter would elicit any better excuse for laughter than might be found in yes aunt or no aunt so nothing was to be done but to raise a glass recently purchased to her eye in order to recognize the unknown passers-by but in doing this she contrived to make le petit doigt show off her rings and now and then cast such a glance at the strangers as none but a mrs barnaby can give after this dumb show had lasted for some minutes the two gentlemen each threw down the newspaper they had affected to read and departed mrs barnaby's interest in the subscription book departed likewise and after looking at the backs of one or two volumes that lay scattered about the counter she too left the shop and proceeded with a dignified and leisurely step along the pavement the next moment was one of the happiest of her life for on turning her head to reconnoitre a richly trimmed mantilla that had passed her she perceived the same pair of gentlemen at the distance of two paces behind them this indeed was an adventure and to the widow's unspeakable delight it was made more piquant still by what followed near the end of the street was the well-frequented shop of a fashionable pastry-cook an establishment by the way which mrs barnaby had not yet lived long enough to pass with indifference for the twofold reason that it ever recalled the dear rencontre of her youth when the disbursement of one penny was sure to secure a whole half-hour of regimental flirting and also because her genuine love for cakes and tarts was unextinguishable there was now again a double reason for entering this inviting museum for in the first place it would prevent the necessity of turning round as soon as they had walked up the street in order to walk down it again thereby proving that they had no engagements at all and secondly it would give the two uncommonly handsome men an opportunity of following them in if they liked it and it so happened that they did like it happy mrs barnaby no sooner had she seated herself beside the counter with a plate of queen cakes and bath buns beside her than the light from the door ceased to pour its unbroken splendour upon her elegant dress and on looking up her eye again met the gaze first of the one and then of the other stranger as they entered the shop together agnes was standing behind her with her face rather unmeaningly turned towards the counter for when a plate with various specimens of pastry delicacies was offered to her by one of the shopwomen she declined to take anything by a silent bow the two gentlemen passed her and established themselves at a little table just beyond desiring that ices might be brought to them you have ices have you said mrs barnaby delighted at an opportunity of speaking bring me one if you please and then trusting to her niece's well-known discretion she turned her chair so as to front both agnes and the two gentlemen and said with great kindness of accent agnes love will you have an ice no thank you aunt the anticipated reply followed then sit down dearest will you while i take mine the younger of the two gentlemen instantly sprang from his chair and presented it to her 
agnes bowed civilly but passed on to a bench which flanked the narrow shop on the other side but mrs barnaby smiled upon him most graciously and said bowing low as she sat thank you sir very much you are extremely obliging the young man bowed again reseated himself and finished his ice in silence when his companion having done the same each laid a sixpence on the counter and walked off who are those gentlemen pray do you know their names said mrs barnaby eagerly to the shop-girl the tall gentleman is colonel hubert ma'am and the other young mr stephenson stephenson musingly repeated the widow stephenson and hubert i am sure i have heard the names before sir edward stephenson was married on saturday to colonel hubert's sister ma'am said the girl and it is most likely that you heard of it oh to be sure i did i remember now all about it they said he was the handsomest man in the world colonel hubert i mean and so he certainly is handsomer certainly than even major allen don't you think so agnes i don't know major allen aunt not know major allen child oh i remember no more you do my dear come get up i have done the young man agnes she said turning to her niece as they left the shop seemed i thought a good deal struck by you i wish to goodness child you would not always keep that thick veil over your face so it is a very handsome veil i know and certainly makes your mourning look very elegant but it is only in some particular lights that one can see your face under it all i don't think that signifies much aunt and it makes me feel so much more comfortable comfortable very well child poke along and be comfortable your own way but you certainly have a little spice of the mule in you the widow was perhaps rather disappointed at seeing no more of the two strangers they had turned off just beyond the pastry-cook's shop and were no longer visible but while she follows in gentle musings her walk home we will pursue the two gentlemen who had so captivated her attention the only resemblance between them was in the decided air of bon ton that distinguished both in every other respect they were perfectly dissimilar mr stephenson the shorter and younger of the two had by far the more regular set of features and was indeed remarkably handsome colonel hubert his companion appeared to be at least ten years his senior and looked bronzed by the effect of various climates he had perhaps no peculiar beauty of feature except his fine teeth and the noble expression of his forehead from which however the hair had already somewhat retired though it still clustered in close brown curls round his well-turned head but his form and stature were magnificent and his general appearance so completely that of a soldier and a gentleman that it was impossible let him appear where he would that he should pass unnoticed which perhaps to the gentle-minded may be considered as some excuse for mrs barnaby's enthusiastic admiration for heaven's sake hubert said the junior to the senior as they passed onwards do give me leave to know a pretty girl when i see one in my life i never beheld so beautiful a creature her form her feet her movement and what a voice assuredly said colonel hubert in reply to this trade the sweet variety of tone the charming change of her musical cadences must naturally excite your admiration no thank you aunt it was inimitable you are quite right frederick such words could not be listened to with indifference you are an odious carping old fusty musty bachelor and i hate you with all my heart and soul exclaimed the young man upon my honour hubert i shudder to think that some ten or a dozen years hence i may be as hard cold and insensible as you are now 
tell me honestly can you at all recollect what your feelings were at two-and-twenty on seeing such a being as that sable angel from whom you have just dragged me perhaps not exactly and besides black angels were never the objects of my idolatry but don't stamp your foot at me and i will answer you seriously i do not think that from the blissful time when i was sixteen up to my present solemn five-and-thirty i could ever have been tempted to look a second time at any miss under the chaperonship of such a dame as that feather and furbelow lady then why in the name of common sense did you gaze so earnestly at the furbelow lady herself to answer that truly frederick would involve the confession of a peculiar family weakness a family weakness pray be confidential i will promise to be discreet and indeed as my brother has just made as the newspapers say a lovely bride of your sister i have some right to a participation in the family secrets come disclose what family reason have you for choosing to gaze upon a great vulgar woman verging towards forty and refusing to look at a young creature as beautiful as a houri who happens to be in her company i suspect it is because i am near of kin to my mother's sister did you never hear of the peculiarity that attaches to my respected aunt lady elizabeth norris she scruples not to avow that she prefers the society of people who amuse her by their absurdities to every other oh yes i have heard all that from edward who has i can tell you been occasionally somewhat horrified at what the queer old lady calls her soirée antitestique but you don't mean to tell me hubert that you ever take the fancy of surrounding yourself with all the greatest quizzes you can find in compliment to your old aunt why no i do not go so far as that yet and perhaps i sometimes wish that she did not either for occasionally she carries the whim rather too far yet i believe truly that i am more likely to gaze with attention at a particularly ridiculous-looking woman than at any young nymph under her protection or possessing the awful privilege of calling her aunt a young nymph what a hateful phrase elegant delicate creature i swear to you colonel hubert that you have lowered yourself very materially in my estimation by your want of tact in not immediately perceiving that although an epitine connection unhappily exists between them by marriage probably or by the half-blood there must still be something very peculiar in the circumstances which have brought so incongruous a pair together well frederick you may be right and perhaps my friend my eyes begin to fail me for to tell you the truth your adorable crape veil was too thick for me to see anything through it to be sure it was cried stephenson quite delighted at the amende i thought it was impossible you could underrate such a face as that it is a great blessing to have young eyes rejoined the colonel relapsing into his bantering tone what at it again thou crusty old mars then i leave you au revoir my coridon and so they parted End of chapter one